it shows that it does matter like what the public sentiment is it really does you can argue that the stark devs are on the offensive he was like calling the community like you know you you little e-beggars why don't everyone grow a brain and like learn uh this seems like high iq low eq type of e-beggars <laughs> yeah high iq low eq type of devs the e-beggars yeah the e-beggars i love that term e-beggars what's wrong with you <laughs> i know i've never heard of that before Welcome everybody to another episode of Steady Lads. I'm Jordi, the founder of Selini Capital. Uh, we have with us Taiki, the humble farmer and researcher. We have Justin Bram, CEO of Astaria, and we have Taiki, who is Taiki. Are you still at Seminar, or what's going on? Are you guys like uh, taking your own paths and being divas, or are you still one crew? You know, we're exploring other uh, other other trades, but still on paper together wow on paper okay sounds like a interesting polyamorous it's <laughs> <laughs> a great Vicky, you guys were on the wrong side of this whole btc pump right uh, you were just mentioning how you sort of been wrecked by a few shorts here and there um well, we were long bitcoin we, we flipped like very long at like 47 um so that first flow number really did it for us but uh there were like some straggler all shorts that definitely got some. Yeah, you were you were kind of uh, publicly calling the top, if I recall, um, a few weeks ago after the ETF launched, and it looked like you were spot on for at least you know uh, ten days after that. Once Grayscale was was getting you know ripped down, are we are we in a new paradigm? Like, have you like re-rated or how are you looking at it right now? I think we are. I think like ETF flows came in a lot stronger than expected, a lot faster. Um, and yeah, I mean, all we need is like twenty million dollars a day, on average, of flows to offset the minor supply close tapping, and you know we're getting like five hundred, six hundred. So it looks like you know we're on a clear path to all time highs. And then you just think that that will um, keep sort of fueling the altcoins as well. I think so. I think there are a lot of laggard altcoins, maybe new narratives for the cycle that might be interesting. You could see a re-rate. But Thicky, well, interestingly enough, a couple episodes uh, a couple episodes ago when we had Hal as a guest, I think you guys were both sort of in agreement that there are so many unlocks happening this year that we need, you know, something like, it was a crazy number, like $60 billion of alt buy pressure just to support the current valuations. Do you still think that is true or do you think the market is just so bullish we're gonna eclipse that yeah i think that goes out the window when people are buying this much bitcoin like the wealth effect and just like you know people have a lot more money just to buy all set of majors i wonder if we are going to get this kind of wealth effect that we have normally at this point in the cycle i just not sure how much crypto natives have exposure to bitcoin compared to in the past i, I feel like it's gone down i know like a lot more people that don't have bitcoin I was talking to Light Crypto today and I was, I was like reminiscing how last cycle he told me that there was like one spot where he was like, yeah, I don't have any Bitcoin right now. And I thought it was unfathomable that somebody, you know, who is like investing in crypto all the time and bullish on the space 
would have zero Bitcoin. I just thought like I, I would feel naked, you know, completely underexposed to uh, to potential upside. But now it's just normal. Like there's so many people who don't have Bitcoin. And like when we talk about a wealth effect, it's definitely like there, but is it really like how many of us have, you know, Bitcoin that we're now like selling and then we're going to like buy, you know, Avalanche or something? Yeah, I feel like it's more the psychological wealth effect, right? If Bitcoin is going up, then everyone feels like they can buy more, right? They just bridged fiat from their bank accounts to Coinbase, just you know, buy stuff. Um, I feel like the the wealth effect will come true for the ETH ETF. Um, it feels like ETH, or something like some part of the ETF is being priced in um, as ETH is like just pumping today, whereas other altcoins are just, like, are just down. Uh, do you think it'll happen in May, or do you think that it might be delayed? Uh, and maybe be like a 2025 approval. So it looks like the odds are, depending on who you ask, anywhere from 60 to like 90% uh, that we'll get it around May. I don't have a strong view. I think some of the wiser people are, are putting it higher and they seem to know the, the US system better better than uh, than I do. You're kind of high, Jody. I, I was at 50%. I think Polymarket's like close to 52 I put it at honestly like ninety percent plus, barring some sort of catastrophic. <laughs> Let's go. Bar barring catastrophic news, like if you guys recall, but when the Bitcoin ETF narrative was still, let's say, four months out, people were saying the exact same things, right? Gary doesn't want this approved. It's never going to happen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Personally, I think we should just you know left curve this, right? BlackRock filed for the ETF. They're only going to file if they think it's going to happen. And if the SEC sort of signals to them that they'll accept it, the market wants this. It just makes perfect sense. And actually on CNBC, I'd recommend everyone watch. It's about a 20 minute interview with Gary. I know Thicke and I have different perspectives on this. I thought Gary basically conceded and said the ETF is going to happen. Uh, basically, he said, we're going to you know, sit as a committee and decide. Um, and he also said, interestingly enough, that he didn't think Bitcoin was decentralized. He said this yesterday, regardless of whether it's decentralized or not. That really is interesting to me because it shows that maybe the key question for the ETH ETF isn't about decentralization if he thinks Bitcoin is actually centralized in itself. So I'd watch the interview, make your own determinations. But to me, I'd put this at 90% plus barring like a catastrophic incident with ETH. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, new coins. You know, we, we've talked about this narrative of new coin good and we haven't had uh any big launches this week uh i believe we are potentially having something announced for in a few days so uh the strk token is a little bit the talk of the town right now because um well a couple things right like number one not many people got the airdrop, and a lot of people were expecting to get some kind of airdrop, um, and a lot of drama around that. Did did any of you guys get an airdrop? Taiki, have you checked your wallets? Yeah, I I used Starknet across like five wallets last year. I bridged like a couple hundred bucks over, LP'd on Jedi Swap, and you know the user experience was like awful. It took like ten minutes to settle a transaction, um, but I got zero tokens. Um, I'm actually not that upset. I think the methodology was okay. Uh, just rewarding, I guess, early users um, and devs. I think what, where people are upset is with the vesting schedule. Um, that seems pretty egregious. But what do you guys think about that? Yeah, let's talk about that. So um, from what I understand, the team is supposed to unlock tokens like two years after TGE. And the TGE is a technical term. Like you can have the token lot 
launched on exchanges, and that's usually the PGE. Or you can quietly, like, you know, create the token and then don't say anything for two years, and then suddenly, like, your tokens are unlocked. I don't really have a strong view, I, I guess. You know, the, the main people that are affected are investors who are still locked up. Well, some, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, like, on the game theory of this. Thicky, have you, have you studied this uh, chart? <laughs> yeah, the tokenomics are quite interesting. My, my take on this, just from, like, hearing rumors, is that, like, they, you know, legally agreed that they would uh, unlock investors at a certain date. And they were supposed to launch last year, but they delayed it, you know, for more favorable market conditions. And the investors sort of did not agree to push back their unlock. So even though it is beneficial they're launching now and they're getting higher valuation and better market conditions, like the, the cliff is kind of unprecedentedly like, close to TGE. Yeah, I don't know if we have the chart that we can bring up with the um, the unlocks of tokens and, and how that's going to go. And it, it has this strange shape at the beginning. I think April is kind of when a bunch of it gets unlocked and then we're starting with a really tiny like thing at, at the start. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen for the first two months until until like things come online. It, it looks like the ultimate low float SAM coin. Um, like it looks like maps or something, right? Which is not supposed to be the case for a, <laughs> a serious token. Um, hopefully they get some solution to that. Um, but, but Jordy, you you like live in this world. You live and breathe it day in and day out. I mean, what are your thoughts on... So does it really matter if the cliff starts in a year versus three months from now? Like in some ways, could you argue that it's even better to start in three months? Like, yes, it feels shady, but like the market's super hot right now. The, there's going to be a lot of buzz around the launch. Like this is going to happen eventually. Why not just sort of get it over with and reach a fair evaluation earlier? Or do you think this could like completely handicap the project in perpetuity? No, the three month versus one year is not a huge deal. I think the weirdest thing is just that first three month period, there's literally no tokens out. So I'm not sure what's going to happen on the markets. You know, even if there's just a little bit of buying pressure, it's going to be hard to find tokens for that. Yeah, I guess you can argue that like Starknet, th there is like zero ecosystem there, right? There's like $70 million of the TVL. So maybe they, the team just wants DAO tokens to unlock immediately so they can just hand, start handing it out to teams. Uh, maybe that's something that they're thinking of. Um, but tripling the circulating supply in two months seems pretty egregious. Yeah, I mean, so they used to be the house of DYDX, right? Before DYDX decided to move to their own chain on Cosmos. And now uh, there's DYDX before there. They um, they have a couple DEXs now. I think Paradex is probably um, one that's sort of up and coming there. But yeah, without a ton of ecosystem, I don't know. I, I feel like they should have maybe distributed the token a bit more. We did see that some GitHub contributors who, I don't know if this was a joke. It was just like legit. Whether There were these Twitter posts saying that somebody like changed one line of code and like, his account got like doused with hundreds of thousands of tokens. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe it was a, it was a bit of a, a, a joke there, but I think, I think that's actually real though. I think those sort of, all of those incidents are real. Like, I don't think they did enough due diligence of like looking at each GitHub account and determining if it was like worthy contri contribution or not. It was just sort of like a binary thing. Yeah. And there was, there were saying there was a lot of squatting on people's usernames for GitHub because uh, people stopped using it, and they, yeah, that's what 
Fantech has been saying that people deleted their accounts and then people are just squatting on the name of the account that had once contributed. Um, but, <laughs> you know, let's see how it goes. Um, the one thing that I will point out is that it does seem to matter if you lose the community. We saw that with Jupiter as well. Like, I'm not saying they lost the community, but there was obviously like a bit of FUD and then they, you know, the founder had to go into defensive mode and that's like somewhere you don't really want to be. Um, obviously there's ways to climb out of it, but you know, the token hasn't been performing well um, since launch and it shows that it does matter like what the public sentiment is. It really does. You can argue that the Stark devs are on the offensive. Uh, if you, Justin, if you can pull up the Ansem tweet, uh, I think, I mean, I don't really know who this guy is, but he was like calling the community like, you know, you, you little e-beggars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, like, you know, Linea, like, you know, screw them. They bought followers. Uh, you know, like, why don't everyone grow a brain and like learn? Uh, this seems like high IQ, low EQ type of e-beggars. <laughs> yeah, high IQ, low EQ type of devs. And the e-beggars. Yeah, the e-beggars. I love that term, e-beggars. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. I've never heard of that before. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I do, obviously, like, I think these things could be expressed better. I do think there's a little bit of a, like, natural pushback towards people who just expect, like, free stuff. You know, we have these, like, toddlers that are just spoiled on chain and they just expect that. I mean, Taiki seems fine, but, like, other people, they'll be like, I, I use Jedi Swap. It's Jedi Swap, okay? I want my, like, $5,000. Like, where is it? No, I'd like 300 I use, I'd like, $300. And it's it's just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> I sort of agree. I agree with you, Jordy, in the sense that like they they truly do owe everyone nothing, right? They don't have to give a dollar away if they don't want to. Uh, the airdrop mechanic always has issues. Whether people are always going to complain about it, even though it's free money. Whether we were complaining or I was complaining last week about Sibblers getting a large share of the airdrops. Now the complaint is that. We're not rewarding siblers or these people that aren't providing any value. We're just, you know, giving incentives to GitHub developers like ETH aligned people, etc. I think you're never going to win. When whenever someone doesn't make money from this, they're going to be a loud voice, right? That is just how it is. So I don't have an issue with how they did it. I wish I had an airdrop, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think ultimately, if what they're saying is that they are just focused builders and trying to add value and build the best technology, then you know, we'll, we'll kind of let the tech speak for itself. But I have seen that the projects, like one prime example right now is Pith. They gave out massive amount of tokens. And, you know, instead of doing a Binance launch pad, they did like even more like airdrops. They just increased everyone's airdrop. And um, now they just recently announced like retroactive. They gave like a bunch of projects that they're associated with more, more of their airdrop. You would think that like this amount of supply and like selling pressure would just obliterate the token, but it's been like one of the best performers and it's, you know, kind of made like a, a big all time high again. Now, of course, you know, some of it's around like this staking for airdrops narrative, but it goes to show you that in crypto, like the rules of economics kind of get flipped on their head. And if you have like just a ton of airdrops and give out tokens that you, you would think would destroy your price, seems to work out and I'm still trying to scratch my head and understand how does it change the supply and demand so much 
if you think about like the the top performing airdrop coins, it's like Celestia, um, Dimension is doing well, and then like it's Pith, and all three have like this airdrop, like stake for airdrop narrative, um, and even people that's like bearish Dime, right, or even Pyth or Pith, uh, instead of selling their entire stack, they're selling like three quarters and staking to twenty five percent. So you can argue that you know the the price is being detached from reality because there's all these tokens being staked. Um, and people are just going to stake it there for the next couple of months because, yeah, they have this mindset of, eh, fuck it, like, you know, like YOLO, just stake here and maybe I'll get something in return. Um, and then if that if, if there's, like, one big airdrop, then everyone's, like, piles in. It's like, oh, my God, like, it's it's happening. It's happening. Uh, so it's definitely, like, bull market pumpamentals 101 uh, that I'm, I'm trying to, like, align myself with more. So it's, like, real real utility for these tokens. Yeah, it's utility. If you think about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm actually like kind of interested to see how Wormhole does. I think it might do very well, given that it will be very widely distributed, you know, across all these different ecosystems and different people everywhere, all kinds of different wallets. It seems to be that if you just get the token in a lot of people's hands, they will trade it, <laughs> speculate upon it. And then that sort of just builds, builds from there. So I'm curious to see, but with, um, you know, Stark specifically, it'll be an interesting launch. I think right now we can pull up AVO um, on the Perpetuals. And I looked at Hyperliquid as well. It seems to coincide. We are seeing um, $18 billion FTV being sort of bet upon. Not by, you know, a ton of volume, but it is a million dollars, which, you know, the it's pretty high for these types of things. Um, it's not It's not total dust. There was some speculation in some of my Telegram chats that, you know, some of the like uh, big bag holders are, you know, maybe burning a few hundred K just to prime everybody that, you know, this thing should trade at 18 billion. Um, just like, you know, in presidential elections, like some candidate can bet on themselves just to kind of appear that they're doing really well. I'm not sure anyone's taken that game theory line. It, it, it would actually make sense to do it, but... Uh, if this thing truly launches at 18 billion, in your guys' opinion, like what does that re-rate eigenlayer to, right? With actual TVL, actual use cases, a great narrative. Like, do we have to think of eigenlayer as a $40 billion project now? Like these valuations are are in some ways getting absurd, right? Well, do you think they're related? Because this is like ZK and eigenlayer is, you know, restaking. It's a different vertical, right? Totally different, but I think we can think of it in the same fashion, right? Like a new token launch for a, Somewhat hot narrative, ETH beta, nothing comparable yet to sort of bet on it with. This is the first ZK thing you can bet on. And Eigenlayer has a lot more mindshare now and also a lot more users, a lot more TVL, ecosystem airdrops have we discussed. Like, I don't think they're related projects, but I think Eigenlayer should certainly be valued higher than Starkware just intuitively. Yeah, I can see that. I think it's really bullish. It could be really bullish. It's like all new verticals. I am really bullish on just zk as a whole I, I do think it might be like the narrative of this cycle can you expand on that yeah well i think that like the cool thing about zk is that like it really only makes sense if you want to have like cross-chain interoperability so like with our current iteration of optimistic rollups like you can actually communicate cross-chain atomically because you know you have to submit you know you, you submit the uh batches optimistically and 
you need a seven day like fraud check period. So you can't actually like, yeah, you can't communicate instantly. Whereas ZK, because you're submitting a proof and like you can assume that these proofs are like instantly quickly verifiable, like you can actually talk across all these ZK chains instantly and do cool things like you, you can essentially have like a modular architecture without fragmenting liquidity. So what that looks like is like you can submit a swap and they can aggregate liquidity across all of these ZK pools or yeah, on all these ZK chains at once. Whereas like right now with the optimistic architecture, you can't do that. Like they're pretty far off being able to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I know like Banklist did this two hour podcast with Justin Drake around fixing fragmentation because they understand that it's an issue. Um, and I think Optimism Superchains is trying to you know, do something similar where all these super chains are connected uh, within the OP stack and they can share liquidity and whatnot. Um, that, that's like also like Dimensions bull case. Um, and do you think like 18 billion is fairly valued? I think you kind of mentioned that. Like how, how would you price this thing? Or how, how would you trade it personally? I don't think it has to be that overvalued. I think especially if you take away like liquidity from a lot of existing altcoins, like it could... I wouldn't be like wouldn't be crazy for Starcoin to trade at like you know it's only a couple billion market cap. So and if Tia Dimension can get there, then like I don't see why Starcoin can't. It'll it'll be a hated coin rally for sure <laughs> if it like pumps like thirty billion of TV. <laughs> I think one really underappreciated play is how it might re-rate the Matic token. Because Matic is working on exactly this and it's trading in only nine. Yeah, Matic's an interesting one. It hasn't quite gone up as much as it did last cycle i remember you know seeing multiple dollars on matic and maybe it'll catch up um i guess it all also depends on supply i mean we said supply doesn't matter but i think it probably does matter if you look at arbitrum right now there is a, a big unlock happening in march that everybody's kind of like circled on, on their calendar mid-march um and you know i couldn't help but notice that despite everything else pumping pretty hard you know the arbitrum we can we can look at the arb eth it's doing very well yeah. it had a good start to the year a great sort of like rally from one dollar to two dollars and you know in this latest push up i think people have circled the the coming um unlock and maybe maybe it matters <laughs> what do you think Vicky? i've actually flipped bullish on arbitrum because it, it truly is like eth's best like monolithic competitor to Solana. Like the TVL is just really good. You know, block times are very fast, 250 millisecond block times. I really think optimistic monoliths just make a lot of sense. So like I, I flipped from bearish to bullish, not bullish, but like not bearish on our. How about optimism? I mean, it's... I'm marginally less bullish optimism now because they're modular, but like they're never going to be interoperable. It's going to take a long time for optimism to become interoperable. So like, you just have this like liquidity fragmentation problem. This is quite an interesting chart. We have a inverse McDonald's chart here. <laughs> I can't tell if this is bullish or bearish. Like, <laughs> maybe we need Andre back on the show to, to read the chart for us. Did you have a signal, Thicky? What was that phone? Your phone alarm? Oh, let me check what that was. Um, <laughs> ETTF approved. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was kind of like it was some CFTC release. On dude they got caught in fraud uh bullish so like let's talk a little bit about the the fact that you know the market has flipped at this point to being um 
just in this mania. Is there anything specific that we're looking at as narratives right now, given the uh, Bitcoin pump? I've been, I, I'm going to share this link with everyone uh, in the description. I think this uh, flow table is exceptionally good and interesting. Um, this is generated automatically in real time. So if you want to just leave this open as a tab, it will automatically, you'll have to refresh, but it'll automatically update with flows as they come in for the day, usually a few hours after the market closed in New York. And if you just look at, I mean, thicky has been talking about this for a while out now, but the net inflows, meaning the inflows even after the grayscale outflows are extremely bullish, right? The past five days or so, we've had a 340 billion, 340 million inflows, 630, 500, 540, 400, et cetera. It's really quite astonishing. Um, BlackRock is contributing to most of that. And um, really, it's pretty encouraging. There seems to be a ton of demand for this thing, which is, is super exciting. And grayscale outflows have really slowed down. There's going to be a little increase with that big approval. But overall, I mean, I think that's like, as we alluded to before, this all has to you know, all of the bullishness has to come down to this. Yeah, and I guess I remember this thread from Jordy last cycle of the shitcoin dilemma, where if Bitcoin pumps, then DGENs look to go out the risk curve to buy altcoins. But if everyone buys altcoins, then there's no one buying Bitcoin. And then when Bitcoin goes down 10%, alts go down 30%. But if we're getting these passive flows in Bitcoin, uh, then maybe we can have crazy alt season. Um, I can't even imagine what alt season looks like because it seems like yeah, it was like three years ago, you know, um, when it last happened. It it feels to me like we're already in alt season. It's just the the right alts are pumping. The ones that are actually doing things that are innovating, that have a narrative around them are all up massive amounts, right? But if you look at total three, it's not really representative of that because there's like thousands of junk coins out there that are legacy coins and should never return in my opinion. Yeah, my view on is that like in Q4 of last year, like a lot of narratives pumped um and like i think a lot of funds are like pretty close to fully allocated on those narratives so like i think the all layer one thesis is like you know pretty saturated but like new narratives that like maybe have lagged i i think we'll see a catch-up this cycle um so yeah we'll, we'll see what those are my, my money's still in zk but like i think there are other ones as well yeah how do you bet on zk it's just matic and stark or mina and like how do you bet on that Mina and Dusk, or I actually did re-rate in front of the Stark uh, launch, but I think I think Matic is one of the best for score. I'm chilling my bags now, but I think Matic is one of the best. And uh, they're going to rebrand, right, to a new token, P-O-L. Maybe that's bullish, new chart. Exactly, yeah. A lot of things going on. In, it, in addition to all of that, I did have pull up this tweet from Nick Carter that I wanted to touch on because it... It really does show that there is this Bitcoin renaissance happening beyond just the ETF. And as someone that doesn't have any Bitcoin, it's, you know, tough to see this, but also really exciting for the ecosystem. And Nick Carter sort of outlines all of these amazing things happening. The primary one, of course, being that ETF flows are beyond our wildest dreams, even according to the most bullish analysts, which is true. Um, there's also talk about BitVM, so you can have optimistic rollups without a soft fork explosion of VC dollars allocated to Bitcoin startups. If you guys don't know, Nick Carter runs a fund that's for all of crypto, not just Bitcoin. But of course, Nick has a focus on Bitcoin. Ordinals is huge. BRC20s are huge. Um, ETH ETFs coming up. Um, and then also the halving he lists at the bottom. Of course, who knows what impact that has. But there really is a ton of stuff happening in the Bitcoin space, which is exciting to see because 
in some ways, it felt like Bitcoin sort of sat out the last cycle as far as development went, and it doesn't seem to be the case now. It seems like a lot's actually happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that the both BTC and ETH future is very bright. I've talked about this many times in the past that there is a huge supply squeeze coming and, you know, the last days look like a supply squeeze to me. Um, there's just not enough coins in dealers' hands and OTC desk hands and on exchanges to, to just handle an incremental demand spike that's coming. And that's where things get really kind of crazy. On the other side, on the altcoins, I think, yeah, a lot of them are pumping massive. Um, the ones that have VC unlocks coming, there's probably just VCs just praying that, you know, the price doesn't change between now and like, you know, like the rest of the year when, when their stuff gets unlocked. I've talked to some of the secondary desks and tried to get a sense of what bids, like some of the VCs are um, kind of giving tokens at. And it's surprisingly low. Like there's stuff going for um, like 75% discount on current price, which means that retail is buying something that, you know, somebody is very happily willing to sell, um, you know, three three quarters discount. And these are, you know, the, the big coins that are kind of publicly pumping. We don't need to mention, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some doctor... I'm not going to say what kind of doctor it is, but it's Tia. It's, <laughs> but this one's not there. So, uh, look. I don't know how useful of a metric, a discount that like a private round investor would be willing to pay is though, candidly, because if you're up 10,000% or 1,000x or 100x, you're going to sell, right? Even if you have to take a 75% haircut, it's you're still up massive. It's a fund maker, right? Like, are you, don't you think it's smart to just take some off the table regardless, even if you're getting a huge discount? Yeah, you'll sell, but then like, what's the clearing price? So like, if there was a lot of demand, it would still be at the fair value because, you know, you want to sell at like 10, but someone's willing to bid 12 and then like, you know, it'll settle at 12. Like there'll be an auction of some sort. The fact that, you know, somebody who just put a catch and carry on. So basically, like, I could buy, let's say, like, your Celestia at, like, $8. And then I could, like... <laughs> just for example. Just an example. And then hedge it at 20 And then just wait, you know, whatever, three years. The reality is that people are not willing to do it because, you know, first of all, there's a lot of scenarios that we've seen, even, like, in 2022, where things go, like, very negative on the funding rate. So trying to hold a perpetual for that long can be very risky in its own right. I think between like the um, kind of mid-22 until the FTX collapse, it was just like pure negative funding rates, right? It's a tricky one. And, and I just think that the ones that are going to get hurt the most are going to be the the retail holding these things as the unlocks actually happen because it, then it's going to be like a, a bloodbath. I feel like there's also this theory that people think that there's a four-year cycle because of the having, but what if there's like a four-year cycle because of those VC unlocks and they just like dump the altcoins? <laughs> Is that like an unpopular opinion? Like, it could it could be real, right? Could be real. Um, and again, you know, I, I'm I'm very bullish BTC and ETH going infinitely up. I don't think that there's a price at which they get overvalued because I think the price becomes an advertisement for more and more people to adopt. But I just keep emphasizing every week the difference between things that don't have a supply 
that keeps, you know, uh, dumping constantly, like BTC and ETH, and you know, there's other coins as well. Um, I would put on that list that don't have this like huge overhang. You know, Solana is one that we talked about in the past. You know, I I probably mistimed the fact that those unlocks were happening just as like you know a bull market was starting, and those got eaten up. But we have heard this week that Galaxy and whoever is like operating the estate has been looking at selling locked Solana tokens at a discount. And there's billions of dollars worth um, that that's sort of coming. Now, it's good that there might be potentially buyers of these locked tokens, but it probably suppresses demand because these funds would have bought on, on the open market. And now they're just like, well, I'm bullish Solana. I'm going to buy at the 30% discount and just like hold the hold the lock side. So we'll see. But it, maybe it'll get absorbed. And 30% discount is not so bad. Like I said, I've been hearing about 70%. For other coins cool so let's go to the pasta of the week and see if justin is gonna keep his hot streak going what do you got for us justin you know i i have a new strategy when i'm on twitter now i just bookmark anything that i think could be a contender for pasta of the week and now when it comes to like an hour before the show i just scroll through my bookmarks and i'm set i'm giving away pastas to the rest of the lads but uh my entry <laughs> is going to be from Silv xbt uh, he's tagged POTUS, the FBI, NATO, and the SEC, uh, and has said that StarkNet <laughs> funds terrorists and the drug market. And then there's a screen cap of his zero Stark allocation. I thought this was hilarious. I think when you don't get an airdrop, we need to normalize going to the SEC, reporting that project for defrauding you out of your hard-earned Stark tokens and dollars. Uh, so this just cracked me up when I saw it. Um, just the rage of some people. Um, is It really cracks me up. I love this one. Classic CT. I love it. Yeah. I, I call this activist airdrop farming, where if you get an airdrop, you just bow post the shit out of it. And then if you don't get an airdrop, you just foot it to death. Name and shame. Name and shame. <laughs> I mean, Taiki's been doing that pretty actively, right? Like, was, was there like some airdrops you were expecting for, for Tia that never happened? Yeah. I mean, you know, like this, there's like this project called Saga who did an airdrop to me for as a Tia staker. And I was like, yeah, like this project going to zero. And then I get the dimension airdrop, and I'm like, "Wow, this is the future of finance." <laughs> I'm, I'm like, obviously, I'm joking. Hopefully, people can catch like this sarcasm when I should post on Twitter. But <laughs> we got you. Yeah, it's it's somewhat true, you know. You just have to just just blow post, you know, when teams are already. And let us see your pasta as well. What do you have, Taiki? Yeah, so this is really close to my heart um, because you know, I consider myself a humble farmer, um, and you can apply this concept of thinking like a farmer to the crypto markets as well, you know? Don't shout at the crops. Don't shout at the devs for not giving you an airdrop. Don't blame the crop, right? Don't blame the coin for not pumping. You know, don't sell your crops before they've had the chance to grow. You know, like irrigate, fertilize, stake, you know, find ways to earn yield on your assets, remove weeds, like unfollow like random accounts that, you know, just cluttering your timeline. And remember, you will have good season and bad seasons. You can't control the weather, only be prepared for it. So you can't predict the future, but you can be prepared for it. And I think everyone should have this mindset of, you know, like, you know, this is a bull market. Just be patient. Don't get yourself wrecked. Um, think like a farmer, just tend to your crops and just live a comfortable life. It's funny. I remember when the term yield farmer came to the scene and it just fits so well. It works perfectly. Like, I think one day we're going to see like Miriam Webster added yield farming to the dictionary. 
that's that's my bold prediction in a few years. <laughs> Do we still have like traditional yield farmers, or have things changed, Taiki? I mean, I remember last time you know you had all these things you would just deposit one-sided liquidity or sometimes two-sided, but you know you just get like 40 50 percent APY. And I don't really see too much of that like random shitcoin pool two stuff. Is that true? Like, is it moved on to airdrop farming and other stuff now? Yeah, because last cycle, no one knew what the hell they were doing, so pull two farms worked, you know. Uh, but now everyone is more educated that inflation is bad, uh, so now everyone is just migrated to airdrop farming. It's like the new meta, and I was talking about this with Justin, but he was like, you know, like what what are some apps in crypto, you know, uh, that people use? Um, and I was like, the only use case in crypto right now on chain is just airdrop farm, just like use projects with no tokens and. Pray to pray to you know pray to God that you'll receive some hefty value uh, hefty token airdrop. So yeah, everyone, I do think that the med, the meta right now is airdrop farming, um, but I don't really think that it's going to end because uh, it's like the only way. It's like the primary way for devs to drop tokens. So betting against it is like betting that devs are not going to drop tokens. Uh, thank you. What do you have for us? This is just like a commentary on the recent price action and how there's AP and the Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> also, think for you lagging pretty hard and everyone's waiting for like a alt btc reversion so we'll see if we get what everyone wants <laughs> i love this one well i mean <laughs> this meme never gets old you know it does feel like some alts are doing extremely well and some are doing nothing at all um so it's a little bit of a bifurcated market i've seen zeta one of the recent launches that we were talking about just is just pumping unlimited non-stop um and then you have like a bunch of stuff that's just flat so quite interesting to see um thankfully uh justin's mantle bags have been on the good side of it we had some uh, listings in in korea i think it's the year of the dragon baby if you know you know you know you know <laughs> you know you know <laughs> we'll talk about that soon so my pasta uh we can bring up so it's it's still related to this like airdrop stuff. It seems to be the the biggest talking point this week. But you know, th this is the feeling when you don't get an airdrop. <laughs> I love I love these clips in the Super Bowl. It's always so sad when like the other team is just getting rained on confetti. It's the other team's colors. <laughs> it's like this is what it feels like to not own BTC right now. Honestly, <laughs> it feels like to not own BTC. The Stark airdrop, you know, is confetti. Like some people got like massive amounts, right? And then like other people are are, are sort of at zero. So it's it's quite appropriate. So we'll let the audience choose the winner um, in the comments. And you know, we do read the comments to to that guy that seems to always think that we're bearish. I keep saying like I'm always like hella bullish along on major. <laughs> so I don't know like why. The only bullish one here has been Thicky, and he flipped to bullish. Oh yeah, Thicky. Uh, Thicky has now flipped from. He joined us, Moon Boy. Now he flipped from forty-seven. Sound the was it a painful ride up to forty-seven before before you flipped Thicky? Like, well, I was I was like short alts. I was in short Bitcoin, so like didn't lose much on that front. And I was long Bitcoin against. Always hedged. Before we sign off. Can I just highlight one comment that that bothered me? We get I read every comment, and Andrew McMurray eight oh eight one said, "If you think about it, this entire pod is just criticism of almost every project they discuss. Everything's not very good, and they all want to crash." 
it is true that almost all projects are not very good, but I don't want to crash. So this tweet is only, or this post is only half correct, Andrew, and uh, we'll accept your apology in the comments below. I only want it to crash so it can come back up again and I can be max long. Exactly. <laughs> we just want to buy lower, dude. <laughs> I mean, the reality is most of the crypto YouTube are just like nonstop, like acting as if, you know, every single project is, is like, you know, the, the best thing since sliced bread reflective upon even like the good coins right like ETH, btc we still talk about like some of the issues that they have and that goes for for everything so it's good to see both sides and and hopefully most people don't just want moon boys thanks for everybody for joining us and uh we'll see you next week um with a guest as well take care well which guest oh you'll see picky you'll see it's a big one. Oh.